All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I think for me, one of the most uh, beneficial things about social media is that if you put in the work, uh, you're going to attract your tribe. And so if, you, if you're not familiar on Instagram uh, on the weekdays, we have a networking session. Usually we'll take about 30 minutes to an hour on Instagram. You can follow us at Black Equity Network. And we uh, have conversations with entrepreneurs and investors all over Instagram from all over the world. And we asked them, hey, come on, let us know about your business. And so today's guest actually came on a few weeks ago and gave us so many gems on the nonprofit space that I said, oh, no, this has to be a podcast episode. This has to be a podcast episode. Uh, so on IG, we know her as the Savvy Servant. Uh, but today we are introducing uh, Jill, uh, Jill Norris to Black Equity Podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Jill Morris with the M. Jim Morris. Jill yes. Morris. I apologize. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so for those who don't know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Okay, so I'm Jill Morris, as, uh, as you said, um, also known as a savvy servant, also known as a nonprofit expert. Um, I've been in this nonprofit industry game for over, well over 20 years, matter of fact, close to 30 years. Um, I've worked in just about every aspect of the nonprofit industry, uh, grassroots, faith-based, um, community-based, foundations, trade associations. My biggest stint in the industry was in the federal government where I served 10 years as a program manager where I have oversight over 50 nonprofits. Um, and I also have a non uh, master's degree in nonprofit management organizational development. Um, and so in 2015, uh, well, 2010, I started my business full-time which is a public relations company specializing, specializing primarily in nonprofits. But in 2015, um, I got more, I had more people wanted to come to me for internal relations than external relations. So I developed what, what is now called a savvy servant where I do consulting, helping uh, nonprofits as well as visionaries start nonprofit organizations. So that's what I do. I love it. I love it. So when you first got into this space, uh, what, what, what was something that stood out to you that took you, kind of took you by surprise or what, what shocked you as you entered into this, this area when you first began your career? Um, what took me by surprise is the way our people are giving and not benefiting from their giving and the way other cultures give and understand giving. Mm. So is, a lot it's of about to get deep. It's about to get deep. <laughs> okay. Break that down yeah. for me. So um, for most of us who know um, black people, we serve in the area, mostly probably like in the church space where we're tithers as well as, um, we give a lot of our time, like to the church, to the black church or any type of church. What we don't understand is the principle of giving. So we give in a manner of, and, and, and let me just say where I'm talking about in general, I'm not talking about everybody. 
-hmm. but we give out of obligation. We don't give out a strategy. We don't give out of, um, um, I, I can't say that we don't give wholeheartedly because we do, but I think that wholeheartedly part comes as a result of they told us to give. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for, for a lot of us, what has happened is that we give and we become depleted because if we don't get, get in return, we feel some type of way. And so, um, we don't, we have not understood the, um, aspect of giving, um, as I said, as a strategy, and we don't understand the principle of giving and we don't understand, um, the benefits of giving what, so when you talk about like the Jew, Jewish culture, they have mastered giving. And we want to always know how they blessed, how they always prosperous is because they know what giving means. And I don't okay. think we've grasped that yet. You know, I'm going to dive into what you're saying there because I, I see we about to really drop some more gems on the people. Uh, but I remember I was having a conversation uh, with a uh, high net worth individual. We were just having a normal conversation and they were giving me game and they were saying, if you really want to know if somebody's wealthy, they're not going to talk about how much money they make. They're going to talk about how much they give. And that always struck me. This is years ago. And I said, huh? So then when I'm in conversations with people and they're always talking about how much they're making, how much they're making, how much they're making, I'm like, oh yeah, you don't, you're not quite, you're not quite there yet because you ain't talking about giving yet. Uh, so you talk about this idea of a strategy. What do you mean by that? I thought I was just supposed to give my, uh, my 10% or whatever it is that I'm, that I'm giving and that be it. But you're saying there's a strategy beyond, uh, behind giving. Um, it is, it is, it's, it's, for one, it's a principle. Giving is a principle. Um, it's a wealth principle. Um, and if we don't believe it, we have already at that point we have blocked our receiving. So if you don't understand the principle of giving, the giving and receiving principle, which is also the so reap principle, you're not going to grasp it. So when you talk about tithers, people who tithe, and um, they're tithing from one or two places. One, they they either believe the tithe or they've been told to tithe. So those who believe in the tithe believe how you should tithe, tithe and why you should tithe, those are mostly the prosperous people. Those are the people who are wealthy because they got the formula. It's a spiritual formula. Giving and receiving is a spiritual principle as well as a natural principle, period. But if you don't believe it, you're, you automatically block yourself. So giving, that's part of the strategy. That's the first part of strategy. The second part of the strategy is um, the like all of the benefits that come with giving and how you should give and the tax benefits. And so if you don't get the first part, you're not going to be open to receive the second part of it. So like giving that. is really a wealth, which we'll talk about, but it's really the key to generational wealth. The key. Okay. The key. Okay. So we've got to drop some keys in here. So before we go down that road and giving our audience some of those keys. I started off by asking what was something that um, kind of took you back when you first got into this area and into this space. And you said, hey, you know, giving, um, giving is a strategy, but most people don't realize it. 
So just quickly, because I don't want to stay on this frequency too long, but I think it's mm-hmm. important. So what's the opposite of that? Just, uh, just throwing money at something and not having any type of thought behind it? What does that look like? What are people currently doing, uh, quote unquote, wrong uh, before we go into what they could do right? The, the, they don't believe. They don't believe. And, and I think what has happened is that we're from, we're, we're at the bottom. So mm-hmm. everything that we receive, we hold on to. So when, they, when we don't believe in the giving part of it to build wealth or to, to receive, um, we automatically block our flow. So one, the best advice that the best, the best way I can describe this is like your blood. Our blood has to constantly cycle. It has to constantly rotate. You know, giving, 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 receiving, receiving is a constant cycle. If for any reason that the blood stops flowing, it clots and we die. Right. So we have the opposite of not flowing, being in that flow of giving and receiving, producing, reproducing and going back. We die. And that that results, that looks like poverty. It looks like paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> it looks like, it, it looks like poverty. Yeah. That's basically what it looks like. You talk about this idea of the kind of a, the blood clot. So people are making money and some people are making good money. Some people are making average money and some people are, are making that much. But no matter how much they're making, if the principle isn't in place, you could be making that $100,000, holding on to it, hoarding that money and saying no one else is going to have any piece of this. And then that's where it stops because now you have both your, your fists are clenched and nothing more can come to you. So instead of making a million dollars a year, now you only made that $100,000 because you didn't circulate it. You didn't, you didn't put it back into the universe for your money to go and multiply and work for you. Exactly. Or they circulate it in places that are not fertile ground, which the Bible talks about. Ooh, okay. Okay. We, <laughs> all right. Because I was just saying the other day, great seeds deserve great soil. When we're talking about fertile ground, what does fertile ground look like to you? Um, fertile ground looks like you are planting. It looks like you're giving. It's not so much. It, 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 it's, it, a fertile ground looks like, um, the best way I can say it is like, for me personally, let me give you a personal example. Fertile ground looks like, for me, I tithe into Tony Evans' ministry. Um, because Tony Evans' ministry, for me, I don't know about anybody else, for me, it has daily, he, uh, his ministry contributes to my spiritual growth. So um, you got to plant where you're being fed. That's fertile ground. What happens, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but we're, we're in a good flow here. What happens when you put your seed in bad soil or non-fertile ground? What happens then? Well, this is the thing. This is my belief. Okay. When you put your seed in bad fertile ground, 
but you believe, you're going to reap something. Right. You might not reap a whole harvest, but you're going to reap because the principle is there. So that's why I always tell people, don't get caught up on the person that you're, or the church, or the, don't get so, first focus on the principle that you're giving, because you will reap something. Right. Um, but what you're reaping may not feed you. And that, from my experience, that can also be, uh, that can also be misleading in a way. I'm trying to think of the better word, but that can also uh, be a mirage mm -hmm. because you believe in the principle. You've put it, you've put your, your seed out there and a little bit came back. And so you're not, you're not used to a hundredfold coming back but you may get fivefold come, you know, come back to you. And so now you say, oh, the principle's working. So I'm going to keep pouring into this same soil because I saw a return. So that must be, you know, I'm doing it the right way, not knowing mm -hmm. that if I had did the same principle in the right soil, ooh, the, mm -hmm. the, the amount that would come back to me would be tremendous. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, sometimes we, we get caught in uh, keep pouring into something just because we see a little bit of a return. So how do we know the difference between the two? How do we know, you know? Are you hungry? Mm. If you only get in the uh, ear, ear of corn and it's just enough for you to eat, but you mm. got a whole family to feed, <laughs> are you hungry? At that point, you need to start planting in better soil. I like that. Okay. But, for, but again, for most, for the most part, a lot of us don't understand the principle of it. So they ain't get nothing. They not planting nothing. They not getting nothing. Right. Because in that scenario, I'm looking, we're looking at the best case scenario. They believe in the principle. They just happen to be putting in the bad soil. So they're getting a little bit back, but they could have gotten a thousand fold back. But where we are right now in this conversation is, well, some of y'all don't even believe in the principle itself. And so, and you're putting in bad soil. And so imagine <laughs> what's happening or what's Harvity. coming back in return. Exactly. Harvity. Stuck. Understood. Okay. So I said I didn't want to stay on this frequency too long. So we're going to go to the other frequency. Okay. You mentioned uh, giving is a key or the key to, to generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Before we go into what that means, when did you find that out or how did you find that out? Um, okay. So let me just say that primarily my business um, caters to those who start charitable nonprofits. Okay. But there's a whole other side of nonprofits, which we'll get ready to talk about. Um, but I first found this out um, back in the nineties, I worked for um, the late, Honorable Eunice Kennedy Schreiber at the Kennedy Foundation. And working for her, being her personal assistant, special assistant right there by her side, I peeped it all. And so, um, and I really should have, God's time is perfect. I really should have started teaching about um, foundations, nonprofit foundations much earlier, but, because I, but I've been focused on charitable nonprofits. Um, but that's when I first peeped out this being a wealth strategy. Okay. 
So, yeah. And when, when you first, I always like to ask these questions because I like to know, like, what, what, when someone first experiences something and they mm-hmm. have that aha moment, what that does internally to their spirit, to their soul. When you, when you first discover, okay, this is the beginning of the rest of my life and mm-hmm. I've been blessed to perceive this because more than likely someone else saw what you saw but didn't see what you saw. More than likely, usually how it works is usually someone standing right next to you and they missed the blessing or they missed the wisdom. So you're, you're around uh, this fertile land and you're paying attention to it and you're starting to see, okay, this is a key for generational wealth. What, do you, what does your mind immediately do when you start realizing what you stumbled across? Well, first of all, let me just tell you, um, if you know anything about the Kennedys, um, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, who is also the mother of Maria Shriver, um, and her other children. Um, so even getting that job, it was, God had my steps ordered. Cause it was like her assistant moved out of the country and they needed somebody really quickly. I was at the right place at the right time. I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. I started working for her. Um, but, and I was, I was like fresh out of college, out of, out of, um, undergrad but she was the first person to tell me you have tenacity and that you're going to be successful in everything you do so she spoke into me and let me tell you how deep it was I didn't even know what the word tenacity meant wow and so she spoke into me she was right about retirement she's about to retire but I never forget she called me my office was adjacent to her office she had a big old office of course she called me to her office she said Jill I'm about to retire. I need to know what you want to do. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't really know. You know, I got this degree in public relations and, I, you know, I was doing public relations for the music industry. But I said, I kind of think I want to go into public service. I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing. The Special Olympics um, had an a office down the hall. I was in the Kennedy Foundation with her, working with the Kennedy Foundation. She made one phone call to the federal government I got into the federal government immediately. Mm. So, um, and so at that point, you know, just watching how the Kennedy Foundation was, you know, running and the Special Olympics, at that point, I was like, okay, you better take all of this, girl. You better take all this. And it's because of her that I got into the federal government, and it's because of her that I decided to get my master's degree in nonprofit management. So, My biggest thing I can tell people, even my personal life, even my love life, you don't know how it's going to come. You don't know who it's going to come from, but always have your ears and eyes open because if you prayed and asked God for something to enlarge your territory, it's coming. It is coming if you believe it. And so um, that was basically my aha moment. And that just, that's where I am today. Can I tell you what I noted from that story? Please let me know if I'm accurate in my uh, assumption. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're uh, uh, putting good seed or great seed in the great soil, it's not always money. It's never all. It's never really money. It's never money. What really is it? Because I know people listening to 
this may think we're all when we're saying put good season, we're talking about money all the time. But what really is it that because when, when I'm hearing this story, she's putting wisdom into you. She's putting trust into you. Uh, she's putting a frequency into you. And from what I can tell, besides the fact that, you know, you were working with her, so I'm sure you got paid. So there was some type of exchange of money, uh -huh. but there was no money exchanged in that value. It was really something deeper than Purpose, legacy, which is generational wealth, which we'll talk about. That's the other mm. part of wealth that we're not talking about. When we talk about, you said earlier about the uh, charitable side mm -hmm. of the nonprofit, then you said, well, there's another side. Mm -hmm. What is this other side? I, the, the other side, go ahead. I just came across that there was another side. So we just had an episode about the, the two sides of the world. Mm -hmm. There's the wealth side and then everyone else. Mm -hmm. And then I found out about this thing called private foundations. Mm -hmm. And I said, wait, what? Cause I always thought it was like you were saying, like these mm -hmm. charitable, um, these charitable, these charities. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then someone gave me game actually on the, on this podcast that will be mm -hmm. released soon. Mm -hmm. And then you and I stumbled across each other a few days after that. Let me okay. tell you how it was crazy. I had the conversation about the wealth system and this gentleman breaks it all down and says, there's two sides to this game. And then he mentions about, uh, nonprofits. I said, Oh, so I would have to like start something like a, like a charity. And he said, well, not, no, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a charity. You can also have a private foundation. And I said, well, what, huh? What's that? And then, Three days later, you come on to the live and start talking about having a nonprofit as a strategy to your for-profit because we were talking about strategic partnerships. And I said, this must be divine <laughs> alignment because now you're speaking on the exact thing that I just learned about. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, private foundations and that world? Okay. So, um, let me try to explain it the easiest way. Cause I try to explain things in elementary terms. Okay. All right. So, um, for those of you, so for, so you have your estate. And so for those of you who don't know what an estate is, an estate is just basically your stuff, whether it's your house you own, whether it's your clothes, you know, your, your Louboutins all your stuff, your estate, whether you're dead or alive, you need to do some estate planning. All right. So, um, so when you die, three things happens to your stuff, to your estate. One, it either goes to the government and get wrapped up in and caught up in probate. Two, it goes to your heirs. Three, it goes to charity. So, you know, in a perfect world, we got a will, and for the most part, when we talk about generational work, wealth, you know, we're going to put everything to, you know, we're going to leave it to our heirs. So just say we have, um, we own a restaurant and we, of course we have a couple houses. Say, so you know what, generational wealth, I'm going to just, you know, all this going to go to my heirs because we creating generational wealth. Um, the third part is 
you know, you can let your stuff go to charities. So I ain't got no heirs. I ain't got no children. So, but I'm a good person. I'm going to send it all to charity. So I happen to like, I don't know, my alma mater, Bowie State University. So I'm going to donate all my money to the Bowie State University Foundation because they've been good to me. Mm -hmm. That's how we think it should go. Right. But that's not how the wealthy do it. Okay. All right. So that's how one do the side. wealthy do it? So that's one side of it. The other side says, we're going to do charities, but we're going to create a private foundation, a private family foundation, so that we can take our stuff, our estate, transfer it over to the private family foundation and give give to charities through that way. Why you know, do we do that? Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. That's my question. Why would I do that instead of the other way? Okay. So let me just tell you the part about generational wealth. Okay. So first thing is, is that if you leave your, your estate to your heirs, then, okay, I want to say this the right way. Um, it is a possibility that your estate ain't going to go but so far because right. If you got millennial kids, they don't know, know what the heck they want to do. You know, two generations down, I don't got time for no restaurant business. I don't want to do that. I don't like what mama's house was. Let's get rid of that. At that point, it ends. And so what you do is, is that you transfer your stuff, all your estate to a private foundation. You set the parameters on how your wealth and your estate and all your stuff should be handled so that it will go from generation to generation to generation to generation, which is what I learned at the Kennedy Foundation. So the Kennedy Foundation, they put their wealth. So, okay, let me, let me get into the financial part of it. So you can take up to 30% of your income and put it into a foundation, a private foundation. When you start a private foundation, unlike a charitable foundation, you become the um, steward of that of all of that that's in there. So, like a charitable foundation, you need unbiased people. You need outside people to be on your board. A private family foundation, you and your family can be on the board. So you set the parameters. As if that's your foundation, if this is the Jill Morris Foundation, I set the parameters of how everything should go, who we want to donate to where the money comes from, how it's going to go, how it's going to flow, so that I now control everything from the time I'm on earth to however long we want to continue it throughout the family. The great thing about a family foundation is that um, we, all of our family can contribute to it, get all the tax benefits, build wealth, as well as it produces jobs for our family, continuing down the line, um, it, and, but the most part is that it, um, we look at it as purpose. And so we have a purpose, um, that we're pushing. So let me give you an example. Let me tell you how this looks. Um, so like the Rockefeller foundation in the early 1900s, when, um, the Rockefellers, the two brothers were about to die. I think that one of them had already passed. It was another one that was about to die. Um, their, um, his accountant basically said, if you don't 
create a foundation, a private foundation, your wealth is going to be dried up in um, by the second generation, by the next generation. And so they immediately took all of his assets, all of their estate, put it into a private foundation. And as we know today, the Rockefeller Foundation is still up and running. I think the estate is worth about 11 billion. And I want to say last year they gave away like 500 million. So the, the law requires that all of your stuff that's in your private foundation, you're only required to give away 5% to charity. That's it. Wow. That's it. And that's why they can keep their wealth, get all the tax benefits, all the tax breaks, um, and still fulfill purpose, still create legacy, still create jobs for their family and generations down and down and down the line. And yeah, that's how you do it. That's how they do wealth. So you'll see all of the, all of the rich people do it. All of rich people got family foundations, all of them. LeBron James, kudos to him, everybody. And so when I worked at the Kennedy Foundation, one of the things I was like, okay, so they got this legacy going on. They're doing good. They're the Kennedys. But I noticed that her son, Eunice Kennedy Schreiber's son, Tim Schreiber, was the executive director of this foundation. So they're all, all the little nieces and nephews, cousins, they were working there too. All of them got jobs, you know, until they figured out what they wanted to do. They all got jobs, all getting paid great salaries from this foundation. Eunice Kennedy Schreiber, as the founder, she's getting paid a salary, hefty salaries. Because they got, in addition to their wealth there, they got other people donating to them. Right. And so you make sure that your private foundation isn't just a private family foundation. It actually is a cause that it will attract. Right. Yes. Yes. It's going to attract other people to say, oh, I'm going to pour into to your family foundation. And so you're continuing to build wealth from external sources. Yep. Because the law does not, the law on the IRS only says that you primarily, your wealth is the primary funding source of the non of the foundation. But you can also get other people to donate to your foundation. So for instance, like the Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who, mm -hmm. you know, they own their, you know, on a mission to change the world as far as um, whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, Warren Buffett just gave them the foundation. Mm. I want to say he gave them $5 billion mm. to, the, to, their, to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Because one, he know he's going to get the tax breaks for it. Mm -hmm. He's going to get all the wealth benefits for it. But he knows that they are changing the world. He's doing, so it's basically, you're doing good cause, you um, creating a legacy, purpose, um, but you also building wealth because the other part of it is, is an, it's an investment strategy. So you have, to, in order to get this set up, you got to have a good CPA. You got to have a good financial planner because all of that asset in there, of course, is generating, you know, wealth. So you, if you, it's, it's a wealth strategy. Now you sat, you sat at that table and you were I don't know if they called you a manager, but you were really managing uh, the daily happenings in this world. 
are when you have that private uh private foundation mm-hmm. are you using that to go on trips uh that are for the cause but then would also be kind of a getaway too like, here's what I mean. like if i wanted to go to egypt and maybe my cause is the restoration of natural artifacts or something like that but I wanted to go to Egypt. I can go fly to Egypt with my private foundations uh, funds and, and through the private foundation, we go out to Egypt. We work on the things that we're doing. We stay at a really nice hotel at, through the private foundation. Everything is covered by the private foundation. And if I, when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm using tax advantages by doing it through a uh, private foundation. I could be totally off here. And then I can fly back um, to where my home is and I didn't have to actually touch my own physical personal assets to do any of that. Is that a possibility? Am I understanding that correctly? You can buy the plane. If you're doing mission, if it's related to the mission of the nonprofit, of the foundation, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, you can get a salary. You can, <laughs> yes, you can. And this is the thing. I love this it. Is the, this is one of the things that I've learned on this, this side of, I'm just going to say lack of knowledge. And on this side of the private foundation, which you come to know, what happens is, is that on this side, we look at ownership. We look at ownership. We look at, we got to own it. We got to own it. We got to own it. On the private foundation side, they say, okay, we won't give up ownership. We're going to focus on stewardship. Stewardship is where you really have control, not on the ownership part. It's stewardship that you have control. So they'll say, well, we'll give up what we own personally to put it in a private foundation, which we control personally. That is the difference. That is the difference. So you can literally donate your house. You can deed your house to the foundation. You can deed your house, change the title to the foundation. At that point, you don't personally own it. You're giving it up personally, but you're controlling it on the foundation part. Own nothing. Control everything. Control everything. Steward everything. You dropping gems. Steward everything. And so when we first met, you 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 just popped into the universe out of nowhere, and you said, because we were talking about strategic partnerships, mm-hmm. and you said, well, one of the best strategic partnerships. It may not be exactly what you're talking about, but if you have a for-profit business, why don't you have a non-profit business to accompany it or to? Uh, be a part of your portfolio. And so that's why you were saying this. You're saying, hey, this is a strategy that all business owners should be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, if you have a for-profit business and you draw a salary from your for-profit business, say you have a for-profit business and you, uh, from that for-profit business, you're making $100,000 a year, you can donate up to $30,000 of that $100,000 to your foundation. Hmm. And you can go ahead, go ahead and live over there on, on your foundation's stuff. Why not? Because everything is tax exempt. Everything is tax, you know. And, 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 I, and I hate to say it. I mean, I, you know, Trump, 
he played the law. You know, I've seen people, you know, they're like, they're, they're so up in arms, you know, and by the time people are listening to this episode, they might not even care about, you know, the story that's circulating right now, but you know, people are so up in arms. Like he only did this. He only paid that. He like, how dare he? I'm like, that's what they've been doing. That's the game. They do. That's what he just one got caught. That's what they do. Well, he's the only one that, you know, not only one, but he's a president. And so they're going to dive deeper into it. But mm-hmm. all those, that's why they're, that's why a lot of the people that are wealthy are quiet right now. They're like, oh yeah, we did that too. Actually, we pay less. Yeah. Actually, they owed us money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a word earlier that was uh, bestowed on you that you said you didn't quite understand at, at, at the time, and I'm, I'm sure you understand now, mm-hmm. um, this idea of tenacity. Mm-hmm. What does tenacity mean to you now that you're looking back and realizing, wow, okay, you know, I really do have this thing called tenacity. What does that um, mean to you? I hate to put this on video, but I have allergies. Um, but tenacity, so it was a great way to validate me because growing up um, out of 17 grandchildren um, and you know, my mother's children, I was the one who was um, more vocal out of everybody. Um, I did what I wanted, how I wanted, still pretty much do. Um, But as a child, that labeled me um, as, quote unquote, a problem. I was very outspoken. Mm. Um, So that labeled me as a problem. So for you know, into my early adults, you know, I tried to quiet my voice. I tried to be quiet and not speak, especially when I, you know, I'm very insightful. So I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. So if I have a dream, I'm going to drop it on you. You can see from my live this morning, you know, if something I, if I get an aha moment, I'm going to drop it on you and I'm going to drop it raw. And so for a long time, I didn't like that part of me. Um, um, and so in my in my early 20s, I tried to quiet my voice. And um, when this woman came and said, but you have tenacity, that put, that validated who I was. Mm-hmm. It put a word, a positive spin on, oh, you're unstoppable. Like, keep dropping it. And so, yeah. I asked that question because one of my favorite books, I'm not sure if we talked about this yet, but one of my favorite books is called The Go-Giver. And a lot of people always talk about, in tenacity, they talk about being a go-getter. Go get it done. Go get it done. But what, what I'm sensing is you use that tenacity, maybe before knowing about this world, to be a go-getter, to be a go-getter. And then you learned about this world and you kind of channeled that tenacity into similar to some of, my, some of the principles in my favorite book, The Go-Giver, where, hey, if I'm going to give or if I teach people how to give, imagine the blessings that are going to come back. And by using that tenacity, by making those connections, by understanding what people need, because sometimes we just give and not even understanding what someone even needs in order Mm -hmm. to give them. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm looking at your lives, as I'm looking at your brand, and Mm -hmm. and and now that you've given me game on tenacity, I'm like, you are really channeling one of my favorite books. You're like a a living, living proof of what a go-giver 
uh, truly is. Have you had a chance to read The Go-Giver? I'm going to order it as soon as I <laughs> log off. <laughs> I'm going to order it. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of my favorite because it changed my perspective. It, I don't think it specifically talks about private foundations or mm-hmm. nonprofits, but it's really the that wealth generational uh, principle of this game, and I'm, I call it a game, but this thing we mm-hmm. call life, this thing we call life is really about how much you've given. Because everything you give is going to come back to you tenfold. Yes. Yep. So if you give attitude and anger and strife and all the other stuff, that, that's what you're going to give. Yeah, it's a principle. People don't understand it. It's a natural law and a spiritual law. It's a universal law. Yeah. And if you give positivity and like you said you'd be dropping all these gems and wisdom um as you're dropping all this wisdom how how soon do you see more wisdom come right back at you as you're giving out so much gain to people on a daily basis so i you know what the funny thing is that um you know a lot of people say well you give which is a part of a principle you you get what you if so if you sow good you get good or if you sell money you get money um, mines don't necessarily always come out like that. So um, mines come in ways of when I'm dropping knowledge, of course, I'll get money, you know, things that sell and all of that great stuff. Um, mines also comes in a form of healing. Mm. Um, you know, if I sow, you know, if I'm putting a courage word to somebody, you know, if I'm sick in my body two days later, I'll, you know, get the healing back. So, um, but yeah, that's how it comes for me. And, and I, the, the thing is, I don't focus on um, yeah, I do focus on the harvest, but I don't focus on, okay, when I'm going to get back, when I'm going to get back, when I'm going to get back. Right. Um, because there is, I am truly a cheerful giver. Like I am, that is who I am. I'm a giver. The one, of, Let me tell you that, uh, really quickly, one of the things that I did wrong, though, is that um, in the past, I did not know how to receive. So it was hard. I, I, you know, I got this harvest and I did not know how to receive. Like if somebody said, I love you. I can think of ways why they shouldn't love me. Right. So I didn't know how to receive. And so, um, and so now that I understand that it is a whole flow, you know, the giving and receiving part is a whole, a constant flow. Um, you know, I don't necessarily look for where I'm going to receive it back. I know I'm just going to receive it in some type of way, whatever it is. When did that click for you? Was there something specific that happened where you said, you know what? I got to stop pushing away the the receiving part because that's the natural order of things. Did something click where that, where you've allowed things to come to you now? It did. Um, and, and it was early on in my business. Um, those of you know who my story, my story about my business when I first started my business full time in 2010, it um, by 2012, it fell flat on the ground. And it's because I did not receive the help, all of the, the, people who God has sent to help me. I was so closed-minded. Um, and so, especially with the social media thing, I didn't receive knowledge. I didn't receive. So it was at that point, but the funny part about it, as soon as I learned how to receive, as soon as I recognized that um, I should, re- I, I should that receiving was a problem and I mastered receiving is when love came. Mm. So it gets deeper. Okay. Uh, do we want to go any deeper? Or? No, 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 no. I just, okay. just that, just to say, because I, my point is that it, it, it goes in all aspects of your life. 
You gotcha. don't, people are blocked. And, 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 you know, it, it opened up your, it opened up your channels in all facets, not, right. Just, not right. just business, but in everything. Right. Personal. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. People are listening to this episode and I know we're scratching the surface and I think we've got actually gone a little bit deeper than the surface. Um, people are listening to this. They're business owners. They are investors. They may be one, they, they may want to be uh, entrepreneurs and they're hearing this and they're like, wait, this all makes perfect sense. Why have I not been doing this my entire life? Why have I, the, the principle of giving, I need, to, I need to master, I need to get into that flow. And then the idea of uh, charitable foundations and private family foundations, you know, I've been looking at this all my life. Could you see it in the news? People talk mm -hmm. about their foundations. And so mm -hmm. you're giving people a way uh, to go out and be able to uh, have a vision and accomplish this and give them the tools to do that. How can people collaborate with you? How can they work with you? So then they can start setting this up for themselves. Okay. So um, I, my, my creme de la creme is what, you know, most people grasp to me for is how to start your nonprofit, a charitable nonprofit. So um, I, uh, I teach that, I teach it on a live e-course and the next one is in November, but I'm also, I just released the replay. So you can purchase the replay of the chair of how to do a charitable nonprofit. Now, let me just say a foundation supports a charity. So if you're going to do a private foundation, you have to grant at least 5% of your revenue per year to a charitable nonprofit. So that's what I do for the most part. The other part is that I'm now teaching how to start a private foundation, and that will not be released until uh, November, which is Nonprofit Awareness Month. So I'm going to be dropping um, a two-part uh, video um, replay where you can watch it, you can rewind it. Um, it's already recorded, everything is done, but I'm not releasing it until November 1st for Nonprofit Awareness Month, so you'll be able to buy that. Um, I also do one-on-ones. Catch me in the morning at the Savvy Servant. I go live uh, weekday mornings at 7.45 a.m. And um, yeah, and I got all kind of other tools too, toolkits, all kind of stuff. That's just in time for my birthday. So I appreciate the birthday. Great, gift. great. Um, so if I start, because I, I, I know this is a direction that I want to uh, go in. I'll be honest with you and just the, the universe in general. I've always known about private foundations. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, I wasn't shocked when I came across this information mm -hmm. for me personally. Mm -hmm. But I was blown away that I actually have people that I can reach out to who know how to do it the right way. Okay. That was the key for me was I've, I've heard about private foundations. Okay, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the alignments start happening where people are, are sitting down at the table like yourself mm -hmm. and, and you're saying, well, I know how to do it. I'm like, wait, hold on now. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we dream of things, but then we don't have the, the necessary right people in place. So we don't, because you don't want to do something and do it the wrong way and then get in trouble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's why I was so excited. Like, oh shoot, I have someone I can trust someone that can um, pour into me, I can pour mm -hmm. back into them 
and mm-hmm. then also a reference for other people to go to as well. When mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, when you have a private foundation, 5% has to go to a, a charitable foundation. Are you saying that I'm going to have to end up having two? No. Okay. So let me, uh, how much time we got? So let me break this down really quickly. Sure, go ahead. All right. So a private foundation, um, you can, uh, for a private foundation, there are two types of private foundations you can do. You can do a non-operational private foundation or you can do an operational. So a non-profit, a non-operational foundation is one where you got all your assets, you got all of your estate or whatever in your private foundation and you pick say three or four causes, three or four charities that you just gonna write a check to. So that's okay. non-operational. Okay. Uh, um, operational one is where um, you can have, you know, you can also have a few charities that you wanna donate to, but you also cre- you can create under that foundation um, a, like programs which you want to do directly. So I'm gonna give gotcha. you an example, like LeBron James. LeBron James, he contributes to, he he um, donates to um, several causes: uh, African American Museum, Make a Wish Foundation, a whole bunch of places. But he also just created the I Promise School. That is his. So that he has a program that he actually operates as well. So with an operational foundation well it even if it's non-operational or operational you need help you need staff right. um, your, um, your non-operational one could be just you you know you have a board of you your brothers and your sisters and then you may have um say an executive director one person who just works day to day just to make sure that you know the operations are intact you're filing your taxes, making sure that uh, checks are going to the right charities, da-da-da. But if you want to actually have hands-on, you can also, you have the liberty to also create your own projects and programs. But you don't have to create a whole nother. Okay. Well, I take that back. And, and that's why you definitely need to have an attorney. You definitely need to have a CPA. You definitely need to have a, cert, um, a certified business um financial planner because the way you set these entities up but okay. for the most part you you can definitely um you don't have to your question is you don't have to have your hand in the day-to-day helping people you can just okay. write well i'm excited i'm excited because i know this is something that business owners should know about and i think for a lot of people they're so busy in their day-to-day lives that they're not really paying attention to this mm-hmm. And so I want people to take, especially in the month of November and December, um, as they're listening to this episode and they're really gathering this information, this is the perfect time uh, to head over to your IG uh, at the Savvy Servant and start getting plugged in Mm -hmm. to all the different tools that you offer. So then they can figure out what's the best route for them. Right. Uh, I'm really, really excited. And I'm glad that we bumped into each other um, because awesome. I want to pour in to what you're doing. And Thank so I look you. forward to, you're welcome. I look forward to investing in uh, all that you have to offer. And then also sending people over to you. When people are asking, well, when it comes to nonprofits, who do I talk to? Well, now we have the perfect person to say, oh, here you go. 
talk to Jill Morris. This is the person you want to uh, speak with and collaborate with moving forward. Any final thoughts for our Black Equity listeners before we head out? Yes, one final thought is you business owners. Well, first of all, let me just say really quickly, you don't have to have a business to start a foundation. A lot of people start a foundation when someone passes and they do it in their honor because they left stuff and they just want to transfer all their stuff. That's one thing. So you don't have to be deceased and you don't, so, and you don't have to be a business owner. You can okay. do it at any time. But the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I want to leave with you all, or the biggest thing I want to leave is that um, we need to shift our thinking as a people of culture. We need to shift our thinking from success to a mindset of significance. So this whole thing of, because success can look like a whole bunch of things. And because it looks like a whole bunch of things, we never get there. And we will always measure success as failure. So don't look at success. Don't stop trying to, to achieve success because we'll never get there. Look at significance. Look at significance. And that's what the wealthy do. They don't, they don't care about no success. They don't care about your, your awards. They're building wealth over here. So look at what you, the legacy you're going to leave, the significance you're going to leave. That's a whole nother podcast episode <laughs> right there. <laughs> so the doors are open. Uh, if you ever want to return and continue this conversation. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you as much as you would like to come on. Awesome. Uh, because this is, to me, this is one of the best ways uh, to elevate your thinking elevate your your spiritual mindset and then also for for this platform elevate your, your business know-how right because i feel like if you really understand this i think it actually will make you a better business person as yes. well. but you know that's the whole that's the next podcast yes, you're right you're right thank you so much jill for coming on black welcome. equity podcast welcome and we look forward to talking to you soon thank you have a blessed one